Bible talks and teaches us about miraculous power, miracle-working power that is released when we fast. And the thing is, is uh, if one can put 1,000 to flight, that's a scripture that we've talked about, and two can put uh, 10,000 to flight. In other words, when we join together in unity, my efforts and your efforts together, we can make an impact that the ripples will be, as a matter of fact, we're going to read this story, the repercussions and the ripples that take place when people join together and deny themselves for a season. God moves. God doesn't love us anymore. He loves us all that he can love us, and that's with everything he is. This is not about trying to make God happy or please God so that he won't be mad at us anymore or whatever the crazy mentalities that people come up with. God loves us unconditionally. But this helps to position us in a place where where we can begin to believe and stand together in agreement for the miraculous power of 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 God to be released in people's lives and in those around us. Uh, the kingdom of, of darkness cannot stand against, cannot withstand the assault of a praying church. Those three of us understand that and believe that. The truth is, that's the, that's the fact. It's not something that other people do. It's something that we do as a church. And, you know, I, I have been in places where people uh, try to shame me when I don't do what they do, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just calling whosoever can and whosoever will, whosoever will be a part of this. And the thing is, is so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this Cornelius fast, but I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to fast. I'm not going to tell you how you're exactly as far as, uh, well, you don't do this, don't do that. I think that's between you and your own heart and God. I would never uh, presume to tell people, you got, look, nobody eats anything. That's crazy. That's not my job. That's not what we're supposed to do. But I believe if we will deny ourselves by fasting, God will begin to do things that we've been waiting for. God, win, win, win. Isaiah 58, verse 6, he says, Isaiah says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? What fast is that? This is what the fast is supposed to do that God chooses. He says, To loose the bonds of wickedness. That's what it's supposed to do. Loose the bonds of wickedness to, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free that you may break, that you will break every yoke. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to uh, uh, break, break bondages and, and, and release burdens and, and let the oppressed. And they see, we know people, and there might even be in our own home, it might even be you in some areas of your life. I don't know. And that oppression, when it comes on us, what do we do? Well, I believe according to what Isaiah has written here, this is the fast that the Lord has chosen to do these things. To break the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Fasting is an offensive, not, it's not offensive, it's offensive to some people. It's an offensive posture that we take. It's not defensive. I don't like living defensively. About three days ago, two and a half days ago, I guess, I started getting a little tickle in my throat. And so what I start doing, I start vitamin C and, and this and that. And I was, anyway, because I'm, but you know what I'm doing? I'm on the defensive. I'm, I'm trying to be off, but I'm on the defensive. I'm trying to head it off at the pass. I don't like that. I don't like to feel like the enemy's got me on my heels. Fasting puts us on the offensive. 
where we are pursuing him. We're pursuing those things in our life. We're pursuing those things in our world. And the deal is this. You might be sitting right next to somebody that's going to get a major miraculous breakthrough. And because maybe you don't take it serious, your life's just going to be good. But it can be awesome. It can be some major turning points in our lives if we join together in this. So fasting is an offensive strategy that God himself chooses for us to do to undo the works of the devil. It's something he chooses for us to do. You get it? For us to do so we can undo the works of the devil. When we fast, it's what we do so that our, our fasting and our praying and our standing together, and it's not just about going hungry. I heard this quote the other day. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and this person said, the difference in dieting and fasting, because you see, that's what goes through a lot of people's minds. Oh, I can maybe lose some weight during this. Maybe. Fasting helps us to look better. I mean, dieting helps us to look better. Fasting helps us to see better, to see the future. To see the plan of God, it puts us on God's plane. It helps us from God's perspective, to see from God's perspective. And see, some folks might be thinking, well, what difference does it make if I see from God's perspective? All the difference in the world. Because when we see from God's perspective, we see who we are in his plan. We see his power in our lives and in our families. We see that. I got to move fast this morning. Uh, let me just read a few verses. I want to get through this. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 19. This is the Passion Translation. Uh, Later, the disciples came to him publicly and asked, why couldn't we cast out this demon? I don't know if you remember the story, but it's where the, the, the father brings his son to the disciples looking for Jesus. And Jesus was up on the Mount Transfiguration uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Peter, James, and John. And so the other disciples are down there, and they bring this boy, and he's falling into the fire and into the water, and the demon is trying to kill him. And so he brings him to the disciples, hoping to find Jesus, and Jesus wasn't there. So they prayed and did everything they knew to do. They were passionate. They were fiery. They were determined. They were diligent. But nothing changed. And so just a, a verse or two later, Jesus comes down from the mountain. He was on his way back. And the father talks to, the, to, to Jesus and says, you know, I've come and I brought my, and nothing happened. Well, what's going on? I, I need him. I want you to touch him. And Jesus, I won't go into all the details, but Jesus prays for the boy. The power of darkness, the power of that demonic force is broken in his life. And everybody rejoices and the disciples go, hey, Jesus, come here. Come here. I, I don't understand. We did that. We prayed those prayers. We swung the chicken. We did all, I'm joking, whatever it is that needs to be done. We did those, we did everything we need to do. And Jesus says this, he says, but this kind of demon, this kind of bondage, this kind of evil only is broken or undone or cast out through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting isn't something that we do maybe if we feel like it because we'll never feel like it. It's something we do because we feel an urgency that God wants to do some changes. He wants to break some forces in our lives or in our families. Prayer and fasting is a weapon. It's a weapon. It's not just something that religious people do. It's a weapon. 
One of the most powerful things about fasting is what it does is it brings our faith into focus. You ever been in that place? So, so what, are, what, are we, what are we fasting for? And we'll talk about it in just a second because I do have some specifics. So, so, you know, I don't know. I'm just, God, just do something good, God. It's like, well, I know God wants to do good things, but when we fast and we pray, it helps to bring our faith into focus because we see from God's perspective and we know what's on his heart and we begin, it's like light. When you take light and you, and, and you focus light. How many of you remember taking a magnifying glass as a kid and setting things on fire, burning up ants? I wonder if it'll burn my finger. Yes, it does. I did that too. You know, it's, it's, it's focused, intensified light that does that. It's like a laser. That's what, that's what fasting does with our prayers, with our faith, is because basically we're pulling aside all the distractions, all of the things. We live in a society where distraction is at an all-time high. There are so many distractions there are so many things going on, so many things that, that basically keep us on our heels, not ready for what's coming because we're, we're just we're distracted. Me too. Me too. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm just saying in, our, in where we live in our life today, where we live in this world, I mean, look, I got more information right here on this phone than I ever got in school, and not that I didn't get a good education. I'm just saying it's all available. And let me tell you what it is for the most part. A distraction if all I do is sit and scroll. I'm just scrolling. Look, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's a distraction. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I'm going to not like that one. Oh, I'm going to. Where's the not like button? We, we get distracted by so many different things. So many different things. But fasting focuses our faith. It brings focus to our faith. Uh, fasting uh, helps us to see from God's perspective. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. That's one thing that fasting helps us to do. It helps us to set our, set our, uh, our, our hearts and our minds on things above. Now, if you didn't get this, uh, this handout, there's a handout with all of these verses on it for those of you maybe that didn't get it. And if we need more, we'll give them to you because I think every one of these verses helped me to begin to look and to understand this is what fasting is all about. This is one of the, just a piece of it, okay? The message uses that same verse and it says it this way. It's, it defines it this way. Don't shuffle along. Eyes to the ground. Eyes to the ground. You see that? You know what I'm talking about? Did you see that? What? And I'm, I'm joking about the phone, but not really. Shuffle along in life, our eyes to the ground, our eyes looking at the natural, absorbed with the things right in front of us. Look up. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the action is. That's where things are happening. If we can see what's going on from God's perspective, what's going on around him, that's what happens. It causes us when we look up, fasting helps us to see more clearly. Helps us to, to even to feel the burden of the Lord. It helps us to see his perspective. Nothing helps us to focus our minds, our affections on things above like fasting. You know, this morning I, I got up, kind of wrestling around last night with a whatever, not feeling 100%. 
And all I could think of was, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. I don't feel good. I'm like, you know, it's like uh, I'm uncomfortable. It just, you know, all the stuff. And I know those are real times. Those are real things that happen. But to live my life, even when I'm not fighting a battle in my body, fighting, but to live that way, thinking about what's going to go on when I get at work today? What's going to go on in my, uh, my finances today? What's going to go on here? Whenever we fast, it causes us to look up and to see God, his hand, working in our life. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. This is the good news translation of the Bible. It says, uh, for we fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. That's what these next 21 days are about in many, many ways. God, help us to see things that we don't see. I was telling, Dana and I were talking yesterday, and uh, we are talking about, I don't remember, but we got on this topic about, I said, remember when the prophet, I think it was Elijah, the Elijah's in the house, and, and his servant comes in, and he says, dude, we're surrounded. Man, look, look, and Elijah, he reaches over, gets another biscuit, and he says, Lord, help him to see. Help him to see what it is that's really out there. Because they were literally sieged in around by the enemy forces. And so he says, go out and look again. So he goes out and he looks, and the Lord helps him to see on the mountains around him angels, the Lord's forces, the armies of, the, of God. are even. So in other words, they're surrounded by their enemy, but their enemy's surrounded by God. That's, see, I don't mind the enemy being surrounded by me because I know who's surrounding him. But if I don't know that, you know what? I live in panic. I live with a sense of, of fatality. I'm, uh, this is not going to come out good. This is going to be really, really bad. So we're going to fix our faith or fix our focus and our faith in the next 21 days as we fast on the things that God has, the things that God wants us to see. Matthew 18, verse 19, it says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree uh, on earth concerning anything uh, that is asked, that they ask, I, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. The message says it this way. If two of you get together on anything at all on the earth and make a prayer of it. That's what we're doing. It's not just about going hungry. We're going to pray too. I've, I have, like you, I've had lots of times in my, my Christian walk that I fasted. Can't say I did a lot of praying. I just went hungry. I'm just telling you. I just, I thought the value was in just being hungry. And I'm not saying I didn't pray, but I didn't put as much weight, as much value on fasting. I was just like, I just, I just want to get to the end of the fast so I can say, I didn't do, I, I kept my fast commitment, but did I pray? I think when we fast, God will put it on our hearts to pray with one another, pray for one another, pray with our family members, pray with our friends, pray with those that God puts in our life. And as we pray, I believe, as this verse goes on and it says, uh, if you make it your prayer, anything at all on earth and make it your prayer, my Father in heaven goes into action. God is waiting for somebody to ask. Not just ask, oh, you know, God, if you do something nice for us, that'd be cool. Ask for something that he is burdening our heart with. 
You know what the biggest burden of, of most people's hearts is what's going on in their life. It's their struggles. It's their difficulties, and they're real. But the truth is, God wants us to be aware of God's heart, the burden of God's heart, because if we can be uh, aware and be willing to allow that burden of God's heart to be laid on us, you know what happens? And we ask, you know something? Not only will God do those things, but he'll do, take care of the things in our life too. It's not like a trick. Well, if you do that, then he'll do this. What did we say when we first began this service today? God absolutely loves you. It's not a question. I wonder if he does. Let me put your minds and your hearts at rest. He loves you. He cares for every detail of your life. But he wants us to be a vessel. A vessel he can flow through, that he can pray through us, that he can, that he can care through us, that he can serve through us. And that's one thing that fasting helps us with. So this morning, let's talk just for a couple of minutes about what basically we'll call, we're calling the, the Cornelius Fast. The Cornelius Fast. And actually, um, probably, uh, if you'll just take time and, and go through maybe later on and this week and the next uh, Acts 10, you'll read all about what happened in that situation. Cornelius was a Roman centurion stationed in uh, uh, Caesarea, and he had a regiment that he oversaw of a hundred soldiers. That's what a centurion was. It was somebody that oversaw soldiers. Okay, now Caesarea was the political capital, uh, not Jerusalem. It was, it was actually Caesarea was the political capital of, capital of Israel at that time. Okay, so let's pick it up here in chapter, or chapter 10, verse 1. Let me just read down through here. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household. He gave alms, which is he gave to the poor. He gave alms generously to the people. He prayed uh, to God always about the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon because they would start at 6 in the morning. That was the beginning of a new day. So about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, uh, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, because that was his name, Cornelius, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? And uh, so he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And when he had explained these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now here's what's going on. We'll pick up nine here in a second. So here he is, and he's, he is a devout, and it'll tell us in a few verses that he was fasting. That was his, that's what he did. He prayed and fasted. I don't know if he prayed and fasted every day, every week. I have no idea, but I know it makes mention of him fasting here in a few verses down here. But here he is, and he's praying and fasting and doing everything he knew how to do. He was not, he was not born again. He was the very first Gentile. 
as which we'll see in just a minute. He was the very first Gentile to, with his family to receive salvation. As a matter of fact, we are sitting here today, unless you have come through Jewish roots, you know, we're sitting here today because of this fast and prayer and this commitment that Cornelius was living on, what he was doing. He was giving to the poor. You know what? He loved God. He was devout. He was committed. He was, he was respected. He was highly honored. And so the, the angel of the Lord comes to him in a vision. Now, while the angel is coming and talking to Cornelius, down the road, I don't know how many miles it is or kilometers it is, but you got Caesarea and you got Joppa. They're both on the coast, if you look on a map. And so up in Caesarea is where Cornelius is, and then down here is where Peter is at Simon the Tanner's house. He's been staying there. He went down there. You'll have to take time to read it. It's an amazing story. What brought him there, God brought him there through circumstances. That's what God does. He puts us in positions he wants us to be through circumstances. Maybe we don't even know why, but circumstances are, are what sometimes God just uses because we don't listen and do what he asks us, so he uses circumstances sometimes. Sometimes good ones, sometimes otherwise. But this was, he had gone down here to pray for this girl and raised her from the dead. And so he's there staying at this house. And Cornelius hears this angel. And he's terrified when he sees this angel. And he tells him, send for Peter. Now Peter's down in Joppa. He's laying on the roof. He's up on the roof. And it says, it was about, I think, the sixth hour, which would be noon. And it says, he gets really hungry. I don't think he's fasting. He might have been. Don't know. But it says he got really, really hungry. And while the food was being prepared, it says that he falls into a trance or a vision. He has a vision. And the Lord lets down a sheet, some kind of a something on there. And on this thing, there, were, there was you know, bacon and, and all, things that the Jewish people wouldn't eat, things that the Jewish people considered to be unclean, and they would never eat it, never. They were raised, we would never eat that. God said, never eat that. And so the Lord lets down this sheet in front of Peter, and he says, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. And Peter says, there is no way I'm going to do that. It's a trick. He didn't say that, but I'm sure he's thinking, what are you talking about? And so he raises it up, and then it comes back down again. And he says, Peter, get up, rise, kill, and eat. Have some of this. Man, that bacon's awesome. I have never eaten bacon in all my life, and I'm not going to start now. And so he raises it up again, and three times this happens. On the third time, he lets it down, and then the Lord says, what I have called clean. Don't you call it clean. What I have called clean, don't you call unclean. And Peter's going, what? Didn't even know what, what? What? About that time, there's a knock at the front door. I don't know exactly how all this lines up as far as the day before the day after. All I know is the Lord speaking to Cornelius and the Lord is speaking to Peter. And he's speaking to Cornelius and Peter on our behalf. On our behalf. That's where it all started for those of us that weren't born 
into a Jewish background. God says to Peter, don't call unclean. You know why? Because the Jewish people had zero to do with unclean Gentiles. Nothing. Matter of fact, they considered them to be almost subhuman. They wouldn't live. uh, They wouldn't go into their houses. They wouldn't eat their food. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. Let me finish reading down here. And then we're just going to jump through some verses here. And I'm, wow. Um, The next day, this is verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey, drew near the city. Peter was up on the housetop to pray about six hours, which was about noon, about the sixth hour. And he became very, very hungry. He waited. And waited to eat, but while, he, while things were made ready, he fell into a transfer of vision. Let's jump down to verse 30. Okay, we're going to jump down and jump back up. So Cornelius says, four days ago, I was fasting until this day. Three o'clock in the afternoon is what he's talking about. I was fasting until the ninth hour. And he says, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And that's when his heart went pitter-patter. But it was the, it was the angel of the Lord coming to tell him, I've heard, God has heard you. Okay? So back up to 24 here. It says, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Okay, now let me back up. So these men come to Peter's house, and he, the, the Simon's house, and Peter's staying there at this place. And so they overnight there, which was a, it was like a mind blower already. It's like, wait, this cannot happen. Well, yesterday it couldn't, but today it can because Peter just got a word. Don't call unclean what I've called clean. He understands that God's doing something different. And so the guys come in and they overnight there. And the next day they leave and they head down to, uh, uh, they head up to Caesarea. On the following day they enter Caesarea. Now Cornelius waiting for them uh, and had called together all of his relatives and his close friends. I love that. He'd called together all of his relatives. Cornelius, the one that was seeking God and crying out to God and trying to live a righteous life as best as he knew how. He, he, he sins after the angel says, this man up there in, in Joppa, he's got something you have to hear. Sin, go get him. And so instead of him going, well, I'm going to wait to hear what he says, he gathers his family. He gathers his neighbors. He gathers his close friends, and they're there waiting. And he says, so uh, here, here's Cornelius. He's there in the house. Okay, let me, let me go on. Verse 25, as Peter was coming into the house, Cornelius met him and fell down on his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. I myself am a man. And he started to talk with him. He went in and found many who had come together. Verse 28, Peter told him, told them, you know that it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or young. We have to live like this church. We have to live like this. And the only way this can happen is if we will submit our hearts to God through prayer and fasting and say, God, give me a heart like your heart. So Peter preaches the gospel message in Cornelius' home to his friends and his family. And then in verse 36, it says, this is what he preached. This is the message of the good news. For the people of Israel, not the Jewish people, the people of Israel, because there were more than Jews living in Israel. He says that is that there is peace 
with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all. That's our message. There is peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is peace with God. And then he ordered, this is 42, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead, and he is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him, everyone, those people that you think are hopelessly, there's no way. Let me tell you why they will never, ever respond to the gospel in your view is because we probably are never going to tell them because we have written it off maybe. Maybe I won't say that about you. I'll say that about me because I'm sure there's nobody that has that struggle but me. But he says here that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. They're still in Cornelius' house. And it says the Jewish believers came with Peter, uh, who came with Peter, were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Oh, wait a minute. You guys knocked that stuff off. You guys haven't even been baptized yet. You guys, and listen, I'm not even sure how this is supposed to work. God is going to do what God wants to do, but he's looking for people that will say, God, I will, I'll make decisions against myself. I will make decisions against me. And here's the thing. It's not about flogging ourselves and crawling through broken glass on our knees. It's about humbling ourselves, denying ourselves, and saying, God, give me a heart like yours. Humbling ourselves and praying and fasting together, fasting and praying together, and then joining together and praying about those in our world, those in our families. And so verse 47, it says, can anyone, Peter says, can anyone object to these being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, according, afterwards Cornelius asked him to stay with him for a few days, and he did. Now let me just say this, and I'm going to finish because I could go on and I don't want to. Because here's the thing. This next 21 days, let me just say what a Cornelius fast is. From, you know, I was speaking with Jack and we were talking about this and I've been reading a lot of different things. There's a lot of fasts. And you can do whatever one you want. It doesn't matter. But a Cornelius fast is not about what you do and don't do. It's not about what you eat and don't eat, what you will and won't do. You know, some people are going to give up TV. Some people are going to give up Facebook. Some people are going to give I don't know, honestly. But it's about this, the, this particular fast is designed that till 3 in the afternoon. Till 3 in the afternoon. For 21 days. If we would just, from 3 in the afternoon, deny ourselves whatever that is. Maybe you're not going to eat meat. Maybe you're not going to have coffee. Oh, Jesus. I'll give up food. But I'm just saying, whatever it is, you know, I, I'm going to give up artichokes. It's not a, that's not a fast. That's a pleasure to not have those. <laughs> not that I do, but anyway. So it's basically from 3 in the morning until, or from, from the time we get up until 3 in the afternoon. Now, you know what? Here's the thing. I would never suppose to say on everybody, well, everybody's got to do it. No, you got to figure out what it is. That's what I'm going to do. That's what some of the people that I've already talked to, they say, well, I'm going to do that. That's good. And if we get in unity, here's the thing, if we fast. And so what are we fasting for? What are we going to be fasting for? For. Let me just kind of lay this out really, really quickly. Our goal is that 
is that we would focus in our connect groups. And if you're not in a connect group, I would ask you, find a connect group. There's one on Wednesday night right out here. There's one right in here on Wednesday night that goes on. There's various connect groups through the week. And if you're not sure how and when, you know what? This, and you might say, well, I don't have time. For three weeks, maybe you could find one to connect with. Just for three weeks, you might find out that you like it. But if we can gather together, there's one here on, on Monday night. We're going to be here. On, I'm going to be here on Monday night. We're going to pray for an hour. That's a connect group. Maybe you could connect, commit to that one for three weeks. And we get together and we pray. And we're going to pray for our families. And we're going to pray for our friends. And we're going to pray for those in our neighborhoods. I think God's looking. God, God is looking for people that will, that will pray. And if we will fast and pray, I believe the power that we will see manifest is, is something that we can't even imagine. I believe shackles will be broken is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness there's people in our families there's people in our lives that are shackled by bonds of wickedness they're, they're under heavy burdens they are uh, they're oppressed and they're in yokes I don't know and I could start naming things that it would not even cover but there's some things that we're very aware of so here's the thing. I'm going to give God a chance to use me. I want us to let God give God a chance to use us. If we will do this, I believe we can expect to see miraculous. And then through the week, and this was the thing that I, I thought was so interesting. What we do is we fast in the morning. This is what Jack said. We fast in the morning and we feast at night. Well, what good is that? It's a commitment. We fast in the morning, and then we maybe get together with somebody. We, we make a plan. Hey, can we have coffee? Can you come over for dinner? Or maybe can we go have whatever? I don't know. But I think when we fast and pray, God moves on people's hearts. He will give us divine appointments, and we can expect to see results. Now, we're fasting along with us. We've got Sydney and Melbourne. We've got Phoenix. I'm not sure what Darwin's doing right now, but I know that there's those churches right there. There's four of us that are fasting these days, the 3rd to the 23rd. And so my thing is, is I want to be a part. I want to be a part of whatever God's doing, but the only way I can be a part is I have to make a commitment. So I'm just asking if we can do that. Let's pray.